ask you to take your Bibles. We're going to look in the New Testament, Acts chapter 17. We've been studying about the Apostle Paul. So we're going to pick up in Acts 17. We're, at, um, we're going to be at beginning at verse 10 of Acts 17. We're going to refer back to the beginning of the chapter, but we're just going to pick up and read right here. So it says in verse 10, it said, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded. Or that's a word in some translations is noble, more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. And that they received the word with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, also not a few of the Greeks and prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. We want to pause and have prayer again. Lord, we just thank you again for this day that you've given us. What a wonderful day, being able to witness together someone following through in obedience of baptism. And what a great statement of faith. And Lord, we realize it doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it does mean that we're serious about you. Lord, I just ask that you could just be able to bless this time and may your word be able to have an impact on each of our lives. I thank you so much for each person that's here, and I just pray your Holy Spirit would just be at work in each of our hearts. Lord, may you not leave anyone out, and may today everybody be impacted by your word. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. As a pastor, he was talking about eating out at a restaurant, and he overheard these two uh, elderly ladies talking. And what caught his attention was, one of them asked the other, why is it? that you switch churches after such a long period of time. And he was kind of surprised because the one lady, she said, well, at the new church I go to in our Bible study class, she said the teacher brings us breakfast every Sunday. (laughs) That didn't happen at the other place. (laughs) Well, I'm for one not opposed to breakfast. I like a good donut, and I sure don't mind it. You know, when you come to church. But I don't think that's the reason that I want to attend a church just because they have good breakfast or donuts. I think when you look at the Apostle Paul here in the book of Acts and look at his standards, because what he's doing, he's founding churches. And so how is it that Paul, what was a priority with him and how did he get churches started? And if we look at that dynamic, it probably gives us a clue on what we are looking for when we want to be able to have a good church and attend a good church. And so, let's just start with this. What was it that Paul did when he first come into a town? And to be able to do that, we really need to back up to the beginning of this chapter. And so when Paul went into Thessalonica, and by the way, he passed two other cities. Because what he did was he picked out the most important place in the region. You see, Paul believed once he founded a church, that church had a responsibility to continue to share the gospel with those around him. See, that's still true today. It's it's a responsibility that each church has is to continue to reach out 
to those in their area. It's not just the church. It's those that are members of the church. It's Christians. We have a responsibility to continue to reach out and to share the gospel. So he realized that. So he passed up these couple places, and he comes to Thessalonica. Thessalonica at that time was a city of about 200,000 people. So it was a very important and prominent church. And then as his custom was, he went to a synagogue. And he began to first share at that synagogue. But then we also get uh, from this chapter how he shared. And so if you're going to back up to verse 2, You'll notice what it says. It says, Then Paul, as his custom was, went to them, and for three Sabbaths, now notice what it says, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. He reasoned from them. That word reason, it means this. It means to dialogue. So it wasn't that Paul just got up and preached a sermon. It was just them listening to him. It was that Paul actually shared, and then they could be able to respond. And so that's what they did. They, they asked questions. As he shared, if something come to their mind, they made statements. They said, well, I've heard this. Or, and so they asked questions, and Paul would respond to them. So he reasoned with them and to be able to help to answer any questions that they might have. Now go on in verse 3. Look what it says. Explaining. Not only did he reason with them from the Scriptures... But then he began to explain. Now, that word explain is a word that also means this. It means to open. And so, for example, in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 24, where on the road to Emmaus, Jesus reveals himself to those two disciples. It says this, their eyes were opened. That's the same word. So their eyes were opened and they could begin to see. They saw Christ. That's what he's doing here. He's taking the Scripture and their eyes are being opened and they're able to see the truths that are found in Scripture. And also in that next verse of chapter 24, it says that they were amazed because it says Jesus opened to them the Scriptures. In other words, they finally understood what these verses meant that they had never understood before because Jesus had explained. He had opened their minds so that they could understand. And that's what Paul's doing. So he's reasoning with them from Scripture, but he's also taking and he's simplifying the Scripture. George Truett, who preached oh, back in the early 1900s, 50 years he was pastor at First Baptist in Dallas, Texas. Listen, he was a great evangelist, traveled the world preaching. One college student one time heard him for the first time and said, so that's the great George Truett? I understood every word he said. How could that be? <laughs> because that's how he preached. So people could understand, simplified. And that's what Paul's doing. Paul is reasoning and then explaining, simplifying so they can understand. And then notice it goes on in verse 3 and it says demonstrating. That word, here's what it means. Basically, it means to place beside, to give evidence, to set before. So what Paul is doing is he's setting before everybody, the Scriptures, so that they could be able to see. So here, listen, he probably started there in Genesis 3.15. He said, right here you have the very first prophecy about Christ. And it is during the curse about the woman, about with Satan, and he was just talking about there'd be enemy between you and the woman. And then her seed, doesn't say Adam's seed, anytime that you're looking in the Bible about genealogy, it's always the man. But here he mentions the woman. A reference 
to the virgin birth. And so Paul makes note of that, Genesis 3.15. He probably talked to him about Abraham and Isaac and how that related to Christ and how that as Abraham lifted up to be able to sacrifice Isaac, how that God provided a lamb, a ram to be able to be in place. And God does that for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, Psalm 16, Psalm 69. Paul went through and he just laid out and he laid it all out for them so that they could be able to see. Demonstrating the gospel and scripture. Demonstrating the truths. Listen, Paul probably made it plain about sin. People don't like to hear the word sin. People don't like to be able to say that's what you're involved in. Sin runs rampant today. And it's in all kinds of situations. See, people would rather say, well, I'm sick, or I've got a disease, or I'm just choosing to live this type of lifestyle. And I'm telling you, the Bible makes it clear what sin is. And Paul probably laid that out. And you know, as you lay out what sin is, you're not very popular. People don't like to hear and don't like to be able to see a mirror placed in front of them of what their sin is. And so whether it's uh, in your mind because of the thoughts that you are thinking or the things that you're watching or seeing or the life that you're practicing, the way that you're living, sin is real. And Paul laid that out for them and showed them our need. So here's the neat thing. The Berean church, now this wasn't true in Thessalonica, but this was true in Berea. They give us the ideal on how when you have someone like Paul, how you receive Scripture. And so look with verse 11. Again, it says that they were more fair-minded, noble-minded. And you know, that's what we want to be. We, we should have a desire to be noble-minded, to be able to truly to search and know the Scriptures. Notice verse then, verse 11, he said they were more fair-minded than the Thessalonians and that they receive the word with all readiness. I want you to highlight the word readiness there. The word readiness, it's a word that actually means this, to be eager. So these individuals, they were actually eager to hear the word of God. So it wasn't donuts. It was actually the word of God. They come, they were hungry and wanted to hear God's word. That word eager, it also means to rush forward. So they were excited to be able to get there just so that they could be able to hear God's Word and be able to be impacted by the Word of God. That's how it is when we should come to church, when we should come to Sunday school. We're anxious to get there because we know we're going to hear God's Word. That's why it's important in Sunday school or in our Bible studies that we make it just that, Bible study. That we don't get off on talking about things and forget about Bible study. We don't just start talking about politics and we forget Bible study. Now listen, the Bible's practical. And so sometimes you get off on things and you, and you make it practical for today. I understand that. You don't just get off on those things and forget the Bible. We want the Bible to be able to impact us, to impact our politics, to impact our way we live, to impact our character. And so it's important that we come eager. Here's what Kent Hughes says. He said, they could not wait to receive God's message. Eagerness makes the difference in the quality and nobility of our Christian lives. 
And it certainly does. And so they were eager to be able to hear the Word of God. Not only does it say that they were eager to hear God's Word, but also verse 11 says this. It says, "...in that they receive the Word of God in all readiness, and they searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so." So they did the research. They didn't just take for granted that what Paul was telling them was true. They looked up these verses and they began to study them. They put them in context and they did their research. That's exactly what we need to do. We need to be able to do our research. Don't take for granted whatever the preacher says. You know, he may look good, sound good, but don't take it for granted. You know, I've been alive a long time now and I've heard a lot of sermons. And I can tell you, not all of them have been accurate. Some of them has been off. And the only way you're going to know that is if you do your own research. You write down and say, well, listen, I'm, going to, I'm going to take a look at this. I've seen people take verses out of context. And so what they say isn't quite what that passage says. And so we want to be careful about that. And so they research those Scriptures. And by the way, can I tell you, because they researched the Scriptures, that made them all the more exciting. Because they began to understand, you know what this guy's saying? It makes sense. It's here. It's true. And they became more excited and more eager to be able to come and hear God's Word. And let me tell you, when that happened, I can guarantee you, Paul became more excited. And he became more eager. It makes a huge difference when you're teaching a Bible study class and people come in and they're ready. They say, hey, we, we want to hear this. And it gets you more excited and more intent on being able to study. And that's how Paul was. Here's another thing is that they responded. And we see that again in verse 12. It says, Therefore many of the, them believed. Many of the Jews from the synagogue, they believed. Also not a few. What's not a few? That means a whole bunch. There was a whole bunch of the Gentiles, the prominent men and women. And notice they do highlight prominent women. And I can tell you, back in those days, women were not treated very well. Jesus died on a cross for everyone. The gospel is for every single person. And so these women, when they found out that because of Christ, that they could be able to have eternal life, they were uh, just as loved as the men, and they were not demeaned, they gave their hearts and lives to Christ. It changed their lives. And so they responded to the Scriptures. Kent Hughes talked about one friend of his was eating at a restaurant. He's an evangelist, and he said he was eating, and he said there was a lady, it was very slow, and so he told the waitress, he said, listen, uh, have you ever given your life to Christ? And she said, uh, no, and she started making excuses about having to work on Sundays. And about the Bible not being in her own language. And so he reached for a track, and he didn't have one. He was going to give her the steps to peace with God that Billy Graham, one of his tracks, and, and so he remembered it. And he took out, I think there was four steps, and he took a napkin, he wrote those out on that, and he gave it to that lady. And he said, here, I want you to, to take time and read this and study this. And then a week later, he had ordered a Bible from Romania, because that's where she was from, and he, he gave her, he sent over a Romanian Bible. And then it was a, several months had went by, and he was able to be back in that restaurant. And so she was busy, and then, she saw him and came over and she said, hey, I just want to tell you, I read that Bible every day. She said, sometimes I just can't get enough of it and I mean, I read it 
all night long till I, till I just fall asleep. She said, it's just changed my life. And then she pulled out that napkin. It was just raggard, just falling apart. And she said, by the way, I've become a Christian, and I've shared this with several people, and this thing is just falling apart. Could you make me another one? <laughs> Isn't it just amazing, the response, how people respond, and they're different. And whenever they give their life for Christ, you can see that difference. Now, one of the things that we also see is no matter how great following Christ is, there's always opposition. Even when results take place, there's always going to be opposition. And sometimes it's surprising because sometimes it's out of envy. And so back in earlier in chapter 17, as Paul began having success in Thessalonica, and so in verse 5 it says this, but the Jews who were, were not persuaded became envious. They became envious of Paul because of the crowds, because of his success. Same thing happened back in chapter 13. They kicked him out of the synagogue and Paul went to the marketplace and it was just amazing the numbers of people that were coming to be able to hear Paul and they were jealous, envious. And so when people get envy, a lot of times it turns inward and it turns into anger and then it becomes hatred and then they lash out. And sometimes you'll see people that you never thought would have this type of personality begin to demonstrate things that you never thought you'd see. And you know what? That can also be true of you. You want to be careful of being envious. Stories told of an eagle flying up, and there was another eagle that was just jealous because he couldn't get as high and soar and be quite as quick. And so there was a, a hunter that was out one day, and this eagle flew down. He said, uh, you ought to take you an arrow and shoot that and, and, and kill that eagle. And he said, I would, except I need a feather be able to go on my arrow. And Eagle said, okay. And he pulled one out and gave it to him. He shot and he missed. He said, uh, he was a little higher than what I thought. And Eagle said, that's all right. And he gave him another feather. Well, that kept happening. And soon, that Eagle looked down and he had given out so many feathers that he was now unable to fly. And you know, that's what envy does to us. Instead of us getting even with that person and harming them, we end up harming ourselves. But these individuals thought they could hurt Paul. And so they stirred up the crowd. That, that's what we're, we find out in, in verse uh, in 5. They go to the marketplace and they gather a mob. And actually, earlier in verse 5, it says they took some of the evil men from the art marketplace. They went and got the roughest people they could find. What you'd call roughnecks or whatever you might call them. People that already had a chip on their shoulder and we, they said, we got a job for you. We got somebody that you can get even with, that you can hate. And they went looking for Paul. And they gathered a whole mob. And they try to be able to intimidate. There's people that will try to intimidate you to get you to be quiet. If Satan can do that, he will. And there's people today, it's worked. There's Christians that said, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to offend. Well, I'm going to tell you, it happens. People get offended, but... Some people, to be able to change, have to be offended. And let me ask you something. Would a person be better off never hearing the truth, but not being offended, and then dying and going to hell? Or being offended, being bothered, and then the Holy Spirit began to work on them and convict them and help them to realize they're wrong, and then give their heart and life to Christ and make it to heaven. 
Which one's the best? These end of, so these people try to intimidate. And so they come, and, and Paul's not there. They come where he's staying. He's staying at this fellow named Jason, his house. But they grab Jason, they put him out, and they pull him up, and they bring him before the, the magistrates, and they say all these bad things about Paul. See, that's another thing people do. They'll slander. And a person that's going to tell a lie, they, a good liar always has some truth. Not that I want you to be a good liar. But you do need to be aware that people lie. But liars always have a little kernel of truth. And it causes you to say, well, maybe what they're saying is right. And so they began making up things about Paul. And they said, well, one thing he's doing, he's trying to get us to worship a different king than Caesar. Well, that kind of got the officials concerned. And that's, that's interesting because... Isn't that exactly what they accused Jesus? He's saying he's king. Well, there's some truth in that. Jesus is king. He's the king of kings. But Paul wasn't trying to get people to be bad citizens. In fact, do you know that being a Christian will cause you to be a better citizen? Christians are the ones that, are, that do more as far as helping keep the peace than anyone else. Christians are the ones that are the best citizens. But they go out of their way then to be able to uh, uh, slander Paul. And as a result, Jason has to put up some money and they make an agreement and then Paul has to leave town. So Paul goes on a hundred miles. It's a hundred miles to Berea. These people find out he's having success in Berea. And you know what they do? They, hit, they get themselves all the way down to Berea. They'll travel a hundred miles just to hurt someone that they hate. Now, let me tell you, that's when you know you've been consumed with sin. That's when you know that hatred is taking too much room in your heart. If you're willing to go out of your way, that far out of your way, to be able to harm your enemy. And so they go down to Berea and they make waves down there. But I can tell you, it doesn't work. It's too late. The gospel has already had an impact. And Paul's not going to stop. So let's take a look at overcoming opposition and here's some ideals for us. One, here's what Paul does. Paul does this. He gives his problems to the Lord. Paul does not take his eyes off God. He doesn't get his eyes on circumstances. He gives his problems to the Lord. And these individuals, these enemies, they're the Lord's hands. If God wants to be able to bless them, curse them, they're the Lord's. When there's people you have a hard time forgiving, you just need to be able to give it to God and let God be able to work, and let God take care of the problem. Here's the second thing. Paul stayed focused on living for the Lord. You read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It is amazing. Chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians, Paul reminds him, he said, you know, when I was there, you saw how I lived. And then he points out this. You witnessed this in my life. You saw this. You know that what I'm telling you is true. Paul, when he went to Thessalonica, you know what he did? He was a tent maker. Tent maker means that you use leather. So he, he used and made products with leather, and he worked during the week. He was out in the marketplace. He was out there with people. And so what Paul said, you saw how I conducted myself in business. You saw how I talked. In angry situation, you saw how I can handle myself. In other words, Paul was just pointing out his character. 
They witnessed his character. And by the way, character does matter. If you're going to be telling people about Jesus Christ, they want to know that your life matches. And so it is important for us. We can make a difference. You can make a difference, but you have to match up. Your character matters. And Paul, he said, he stayed focused on living for the Lord. Even though he had enemies, even though he had people that hated him, even though he had people trying to persecute him and stop him, he stayed focused on living for God. And Paul kept serving God. So whenever he came time to leave, that didn't mean he, didn't, he kept talking about Jesus. You know, here we, we talk about uh, being noble in scriptures. And, and by the way, these individuals, look who they're running out of town. The Apostle Paul. The man that God had put his hand upon and had blessed. And God would bless them through Paul if they would allow him. How many churches did Paul found? I don't know, but you start adding them up. I mean, Paul was in Iconium. He was in a Derby in Lystra, in Philippi, then in, in Thessalonica, Berea, in Athens, in Corinth, in Ephesus, and just on and on. Paul founded churches, and what a blessing he was. And that's the individual that you're running out of town? Paul kept on serving God. And whether people wanted him there or not, he served God. And if they ran him out of town, he went to the next town and he shared Jesus Christ. And so you know what we need to do? We need to be able to be like Paul. We're just going to keep serving God. I'm not going to let somebody else stop me from living and talking about Jesus Christ. He's too important. And the gospel is too important. It makes too much of an impact. So, where does that leave us today? Hey, we're talking about being a noble church. And so we look at all this. Here's the facts. There's a lot of things we can do to make church better. And we, we need to be able to do some of those things. But the main thing we want to do is to make sure that God's Word, the truth of it, is being able to, to be shared. You know what Douglas MacArthur said? He said, General MacArthur, he said, you can count on it. In my life, my adult life, no matter how tired I was and what was going on, before the day ended... I read my Bible. It was that important. You know what Dwight Eisenhower said? Dwight Eisenhower said, when you take time to read the Bible, then you've entered into a land that's going to impact your character and your faith. You know what Abraham Lincoln said about the Bible? He said, it's the most important gift God's ever given us because it contains the gospel. It's important that we make sure that the Bible is shared accurately. That's why it's important we, we come eagerly to hear it. We, we take our notes and do our research, and we make sure that people are, are, who are sharing it are doing so accurately. And then we respond, and we allow God's Word to make an impact in our lives. And then we continue to be faithful then and being able to live for Him in spite of the opposition, because the opposition is going to come. This morning you may be here, and you, the Lord has spoken to you, and it's time for you to make a decision. You, don't, you haven't given your heart and life to Christ, and we're going to give you that chance. As a Christian, maybe you've not been serious, and today's the day you need to get serious.
and you need to be rededicate your life. Or there may be another decision that needs to be made. Let's take a moment and let's have prayer. Lord, thank you so much. I thank you for each person that's here this morning. And I just pray right now that you would just allow your word to impact us. And Lord, that we would be, each of us, sensitive. Lord, that we uh, would have the courage and the faith to be able to respond, to be obedient to you. Bless this time right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand.